The Bucks are in the CFP, we talk transfer portal, and we got some coaching changes on the horizon. All that and more next on Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome back to Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. This is episode 54, and the Buckeyes are in the CFP. I cannot believe that somehow, some way, we have ended up here today. I, I never thought it would happen, but but here we are. And uh, Davis, I got to know, what's, what's your initial reaction to the Buckeyes making it into that top four? Man, I'll be honest. Uh, leading up to what ha- after what happened... Um couple Saturdays ago in Columbus, I kind of wrote the season off. Um, I knew we'd drop outside the top four, and I guess I had a gut feeling that USC was not going to lose that game. But lo and behold, uh, USC got blown up in the second half. Uh, It looked like probably a worse loss than what we had to Michigan, and we backdoored our way in. And this is starting to feel eerily similar to 2014, isn't it? Yeah, but you know what's crazy to me is remember when we were talking like right after the Michigan loss about about the scenarios for us getting in and we were like, yeah, you know, if USC loses, we're in. But, you know, also if TCU loses big, then maybe we have a sliver of a chance of getting in. Um, And it's funny because both those things happened, which I did not expect. Now, TCU didn't get blown out. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that TCU and USC lost. And I, I don't know what the odds are of that happening, but it's got to be small. Yeah, I, I, honestly, everything did work out in our favor. And I know the way we felt after that game and the way a lot of felt, uh, fans felt after that game was it, the CFP didn't matter at that point. In the very immediate aftermath of that game, it didn't matter. Everyone was upset. Everyone was like, well, we blew it again. We played like absolute garbage this game. We don't even deserve a spot. And even leading up to it, it's like we don't deserve a spot. But it's like it's funny as the week progressed and the games got closer and eventually when Friday night happened and the Pac-12 championship game started happening, every Ohio State fan is glued to that game. Like it's the most it's probably the most viewership a Pac-12 game has ever gotten because it's been the most impactful one, at least especially for people on the East Coast and namely Ohio State fans. So we're watching a crap out of that game. And it did not start off well. I mean, USC's up 17-3, to and they're looking really good. And then Caleb Williams has a hamstring injury, and he's kind of hindered. And at that point, it was all systems go for Utah. I mean, dominated them from that point. And I'll be honest, I was sitting there on my couch, and I was sitting there cheering it on. I was loud. The wife was telling me, shut up, baby's asleep. Like, I was hyped. So then our next immediate reaction is, hell yeah, we're actually in the playoff. And then fast forward again. Well, that wasn't my initial reaction. Go ahead. I'm not going to lie. Tell me your initial reaction. To be honest with you, I was kind of on your boat. I had made peace with the season ending the way that it was and us going to, albeit a Rose Bowl or something else. So I guess I had to kind of re-jog myself into CFP mode, meaning that, you know, I was kind of like, man, like – damn, we're in, you know what I mean? Like now what, you know what I mean? Kind of deal. I had to like refocus myself. I wasn't like, yes, we're in, you know, I was kind of like questioning, like, man, we're in. Then I was like, oh crap, we got to play George. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, dude, your first text to me after that game was over, it was like, oh my gosh, we're in. We actually did it. And then you said, we're screwed. Yep. <laughs> like, okay, so it's the just the roller coaster of emotions. Now, don't get me wrong. Even though we're super excited to be in, in the college football playoff, uh, this season, no matter what happens in my eyes, is still going to feel tarnished because of what happened in Columbus. Don't get me wrong. That's a scar that we're not going to get rid of anytime soon. And I guarantee a lot of fans are not going to get rid of anytime soon, but this is newfound life. This is a second chance. And you know, dude, you have to take advantage of this second chance. I don't care who you're playing. And yes, do we have a tough opponent? Absolutely. But ultimately had we not lost that game against Michigan, this was ultimately who we were probably going to be playing for the national title anyways wasn't it so yeah, but we don't we didn't get to this yet because uh, you know we're, here we are talking about it but but do you think that the committee got it right do you think they got it right letting tcu lose and keeping them at three i'm gonna say no and here's why and it's not a selfish reason about putting ohio state michigan in the same matchup in the semifinal it is if i was georgia i'd not be i would not be happy because Georgia in the number one spot should get the more favorable matchup. Would you not agree? Yeah. So who do you think Georgia really would rather play, TCU or Ohio State? I have to. I have to think TCU just because absolutely. Of the, yeah, 100%. absolutely. Because just, I, I mean, anyone with two eyeballs, like I understand TCU's had a magical season, and they have a, a really good quarterback and they've done amazing things this year. They they've been the comeback Kings for the first, you know, the better part of the first half of the year. And then, you know, they've played a lot of ranked teams. I'm not taking anything away from what TCU's done this year, but if you're actually going to compare resumes at this point, both teams have one loss. Both teams did not win their conference title. So at that point you can judge them pretty evenly. And then look, What's more important? Did they go through a middle tier, kind of middle of the road Big 12 or a dominant for the most part of the year Ohio State team that clearly probably has better players on the field? Now, coaching's a different story, especially on the offensive side of the ball and some execution and discipline issues. But realistically, I mean, if Ohio State and TCU were to play, I think Ohio State would be favored by what, six and a half points, seven and a half points, eight points, something like that. Clearly, Ohio State's the better team, and if they have similar resumes, you're punishing Georgia by putting Ohio State at four. See, I kind of – here's the thing, though. I kind of disagree because we haven't proven to be the better team. What what in the second half of the season has made you think that we're deserving to be called a better team than TCU? Uh, deserving and what my eyes and heart honestly tell me are probably two different things. And this I think goes back to your heart here, not your eyes. Maybe, but this goes back to the same thing when we first had what, you know, when we did our early CFP reveal and we were talking about, you know, what teams and what positions based upon what our own criteria was, you know, I am more of a, what I see, what I feel weighs more to me. It's not everything. I mean, obviously resume does matter. Earning it matters, but I also can't ignore what I see with my eyeballs too. And I think TCU is impressive, but they still had to barely squeak out a win against Baylor running out last second, kicking a field goal. Uh, they trailed to several teams that had to make several comebacks. Um, you know, we did, I, I know we did not live up to our standards, especially the second half of the year. And we struggled against teams. We probably should have blown out, but we still in one way or another beat every single team by double digits. Now, I understand we have much of a worse loss, um, but it was to a better team, to an undefeated team, and 
anyone with eyeballs that watched that game knows that that was probably the worst case scenario that could have happened in that game. Between play calling, execution, and discipline, it was an F effort all the way around. So for me, I just think, you know, and it's an interesting way that I put it when you're talking about Georgia at number one. If you're going to, you know, reward them for being number one, not only are they going to get to play in Atlanta, but you reward them with playing the worst team in the playoffs. That's the way it probably should be. And Ohio State backing in at number four, especially after a TCU loss, is kind of penalizing Georgia a little bit because I think of all the teams right now in the college football playoff, I truly believe Ohio State has the best chance to beat Georgia. See, well, is it penalizing Georgia or is it penalizing Ohio State? It's penalizing Georgia. See, because I feel like it's penalizing Ohio State. Well, then you should penalize Ohio State because we snuck in. We should not get a favorable matchup. True, but, but Ohio- they didn't penalize TCU for losing a game. The last game of the season, they didn't penalize right. them at all. Right, and they're penalizing Georgia too because they're playing a tougher opponent than TCU. I, I think know, TCU my, my would be a, that, not a cakewalk, but I think TCU would be much easier for them to skate by. I mean, I could imagine a line if it's Georgia and TCU, that line's over ten. But can you can you name another time? I I can't. I'm asking this question. I'm not trying to insinuate that I know it. Has there been another time where a a top four ranked team has lost and kept the same ranking. The same ranking. Yeah. Mm. Where you're in the top four and you lose and then stay the same, same place you are. If it ha- that's ever happened, if it happened, it would have to be the number four seed. Uh, not in my recollection, but this has been an interesting year because number one, you have two big 10 teams in for the first time ever. Not only two Big Ten teams, but two from the same division. Okay? I don't think that's ever happened in college football before. Sure, you've had uh, two SEC teams, but they're from separate divisions. There are two teams that probably played in the SEC championship game, and the winner and the loser got in. We, we literally did something that's never happened in two teams from the same division getting in. Now, if I'm wrong, for those of you listening, if I miss something, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. And then you're also talking about only two conference winners that are in. That might be a first as well, to be perfectly honest with you. So this has just been an interesting year where you had, you know, several teams that kind of blew it late. And that's what resulted in the chaos that it was. So it's just an interesting circumstance this year why I think TCU got kept at three. Um, I know that the committee constantly says that they don't worry about matchups. They just try to rank them based upon what they think the best four teams are. That's BS, dude. That's BS. They very easily could have had Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia and TCU, and it would have been understandable. Um, I'm not arguing with the fact that they put us at four. I don't have a problem with it. But it very easily could have gone the other way, and I really feel like it was matchup-based. I feel like they did not want an immediate rematch with Michigan. And if somehow we can beat Georgia and Michigan can move on, talk about game of the century. I mean, game of the history of college football. But you know what? It kind of it kind of shuns me a little bit You know that they didn't take that matchup in the first round. Yeah, I know that there's a potential – or like you said, the game of the century, if we were happen to meet in the national championship game. But if not, you could have that now. And you know right now, whether it's a semifinal or a final game, Ohio State versus Michigan in the CFP would be the highest watched television program probably this year as far as everything but the Super Bowl. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it, we we've looked at stats. It's higher than the World Series. It's higher than the NBA playoffs. It's higher than pretty it's much Snoop any Dogg other sporting high. event. It is Snoop Dogg high. Yeah, dude, it's super high. <laughs> I mean, it's chronic two thousand one Snoop Dogg high. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I guess you know. I don't know, man. I, I'm a little bit torn about what the committee did. I understand why they did it, but it just feels like Ohio State got punished twice. Uh, they punished us when we lost by moving us down and having to try to backdoor our way in. And then when we do get in, TCU loses, gets no punishment at all, stays right where they are, and to be honest, gets a more favorable matchup. And I feel like that's two punishments versus none. Um, that That's the way I see it there. Well, so, as a number four seed, you shouldn't be rewarded. Losing and not getting to your conference championship, you shouldn't be rewarded. And to be perfectly honest, this is the best case Well, not scenario. rewarded, but not punished. Right. Well, this is the best case scenario for Ohio State, and here's why. Um, I understand Georgia is the toughest matchup in the college football playoff, but we also have a month to prepare for Georgia. We have Georgia a month. has a month to heal up for us, and Georgia has a That's month fine. to That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> But we have a month to heal up and prepare for Georgia. And I'll be honest, I hope Georgia does watch tape because I guarantee if Ryan Day has a set of nuts on him and does anything worth a crap in coaching, he's not going to do a damn thing he did in that Michigan game. He's going to do it completely different. So I hope to God they watch tape because we're not going to show them anything they saw. But it's important because not only are we going to be able to prep for Georgia and get healthy for Georgia, but we're also going to have motivation knowing that if we can win that game, not only is there a national title there, but there is that possible rematch and redemption. Now, if it was the the roles were reversed and we were playing Michigan right off the bat, best believe we'd be putting everything into that game. And if we came out on top, do you know how much we'd have probably have left for Georgia in the national title with only one week to prepare? That's why I think this is the better scenario in the grand scheme of it. Now, do I think it's the tougher opponent? Yes. Um, do I understand why we are almost a touchdown underdog? Yes, absolutely. But I still believe that this is the best way for us to win it all. If it's got to be this matchup first. See, I disagree. I think we can beat Michigan. It is super hard to beat the same team twice. I don't think Michigan can beat us again. I really don't. Like we talked about before, they had a ter- we had a terrible game versus them. The game plan was bad. Our attitudes were bad. Everything was bad in that game. But that won't happen again. It's hard to be the same team twice. We've seen it time and time again. So, dude, and you know how many times you've heard the saying, you got to get to the dance to dance, dude. So I take the easier matchup, Michigan, and then you know what? You still have a chance that TCU beats Georgia. You still have a chance, you know what I mean, that that one of those two teams is real beat up when you get to face them and you get a little bit of an advantage. But you have to get to the dance to dance. And it's real hard to fight the biggest mf in the room in order to get to the championship. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I just feel like the path. I'd rather get to the championship than to have to overcome Georgia. Because what happens if we beat Georgia and then we're beat up and then we play Michigan again and we lose because we're all beat up? I mean, it, that's a viable argument. I, I don't disagree with where you're coming from. I just it's guess. It's not a me- guess. That is correct. Be careful down there, Swanee. <laughs> Be careful down there. I I just I feel differently just because I think it's more important that we focus more energy on Georgia to start. I think and you're just caught in the allure of an Ohio State and Michigan national championship game. 
I'm not caught in the allure. Trust me, me as a fan, my focus really is with Georgia completely. Michigan is not even really part of the equation. Obviously, there is light at the end of the tunnel there, and that's assuming Michigan wins their matchup. I know that you're not completely sold that that's going to happen. However, well, my question is, why would you want the toughest team right off the bat? Why would you want that? I don't understand that. I'm not saying that I want the toughest team. I'm, you are. I'm, you're, you're saying you want the tougher path. You're missing the point. What I'm saying is that Michigan is going to be such an emotional game in the semifinal, and we're going to put so much into that emotionally. It's almost the same way, and it's not the best comparison, but it's kind of like in 2020 when we wanted that revenge against Clemson, and we got that revenge, and we put so much into that game and so much effort and emotion, and we blew them out, and it was great. And we get up there against Alabama, and I understand it's a bad comparison because we we were hindered with some injuries and we had players that couldn't play because of COVID. And not to mention Alabama had probably one of the best college offenses in the history of college football. But we, we got embarrassed in the national title. And it bitters it up. It bitters it up. I would rather, in hindsight, yes. I'm not like if I had the option, if I knew for sure we had a cakewalk, but Michigan's not going to be a cakewalk this year. In, in the, the semifinal. Obviously, that was proven in Columbus two weeks ago. It'd be different if we had a possible matchup against USC or, or uh, I don't know, someone else. Like in a typical year, you typically have that one outlier that kind of looks like, you know, the ugly duckling, right? Like your Oklahoma uh, for those handful of years or Washington getting in one year or Michigan State getting in one year. Um, or your Florida State that one year when they were like barely winning their games but winning them all. Like you had that one ugly duckling every year. You don't really have that this year. I think Ohio State, TCU, and Michigan are are all very similarly capable with Georgia a little bit of a step up. So there's not really any favorable matches that I think is going to be a cakewalk to get to the national title even to begin with. I do. I think we'd kill TCU. I think we killed TCU. I don't think Michigan can beat us twice, and I think we're going to have a problem with Georgia, and that's where I'm at. That is the least game that I want to play. But you're going to have, have right to go through bat. Georgia no matter what to win a national title. Maybe I not. Understand somebody else can go through Georgia. There's, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we have the best chance because we have the most prolific offense, I'm and not we can pass wrong. the ball because we Georgia the can be had. Path. Georgia we can be had through path. the air. I get it. I get it. We will end up having the hardest path, but you know what? that even further solidifies that we deserve to be there. Wouldn't you rather have that feeling that we deserve to be there instead of backing in, getting an easy cake matchup, and then maybe playing a team that might have gotten banged up in the national title and winning that too? I mean, there's 25% of me that's yes, and the other 75% enjoys hardware. Listen, agree to disagree because we could argue at this for hours, but I still think that the setup that we have is – Probably the most beneficial. All right. So, anyways, next uh, next week we're going to be revealing out our bowl predictions because the bowls start, I believe, on the 16th. So it's next Friday. And every year, me and Chad, we do a bowl pick 'em where we will go through every single bowl game. We will pick who we think wins, not based on spread, just outright winner. And whoever has the most correct by the end of the bowl season owes the other person a. Dinner at Roosters. Is that correct, sir? Yep, that's correct. And that includes beverages, wings, the whole nine yards. So uh, we will uh, 
talk a little bit about some of those matchups next week, but we're not going to spend a ton of time on it, especially, you know, we don't, I'm pretty sure you guys don't care what we feel about UConn against Marshall in the poinsettable or whatever it is. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a few big time matchups, kind of give our early predictions, and we will also post on our Facebook page um, our overall pickums, our sheet. And so that way you guys can kind of keep along uh, up with how we're doing as a running tally. And uh, if you haven't done so already, guys, please check out our Facebook page. It is the best way as of right now that we share a bunch of our info. It's where we share about new episodes. We post things. Um, we do polls. We do, uh, you know, share information, all this stuff. And we're starting to get a lot of interaction uh, from some of our listeners, which we really appreciate. So please keep up the good work. And uh, Facebook's eventually going to be a way where we kind of get a lot more interaction with our fans and probably do some questions, things that we might address on episodes and future episodes moving forward. So with that being said, we also have an upcoming poll that will be posted probably sometime mid next week. Chad, do you care to elaborate on that? All right. So basically what happened was uh, we have prop bets every year. And what happened was uh, every week, we get to pick them, and then what happened was that I didn't pick them right. So now I have to do something probably embarrassing uh, to my family and also my career, uh, <laughs> whatever it ends up being. I'm not going to get you fired, but I'm going to – you're going to be embarrassed, and so it's going to be for You're not going to get me pleasure. fired, but you never, ever, ever address the fact that I could get left by my wife or family. <laughs> You left them out. <laughs> so you're not going to get fired. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Um, but, so basically, we're going to come up with some fun ideas. It's still in the works here. Um, you know what I mean? We're going to keep it, you know, somewhat, somewhat PG, but also funny. And I am going to record it and put it on Facebook. And I'm going to probably try to do it live um, so that everybody else can watch. And, you know, we'll kind of make an event of it. And you guys can uh, laugh at me while I uh, make a fool of myself. One way or the other. Yeah, it's, it's, it should be a lot of fun. And by fun, I mean horrendous. Yeah, so that poll will be revealed uh, after our next week's episode. Uh, we will actually reveal the options during next week's episode because we're still finalizing some of those options. Of course, it's me coming up with some. And Chad pretty much saying there's no way in hell he's doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. And we're going to whittle it down to, I don't know, four or five different options. And we're going to let you guys vote. We're going to go off the poll, man. You got, you guys choose what Chad's got to do. Uh, I can tell you they're going to be hilarious. Some of them I know he has already approved. I think are going to be absolutely hilarious. So just be on the look at that for next week. But we'll talk about that during next week's episode. So here's some of the things that are kind of recent that we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time on. I know this isn't a typical you know uh, game week, and the next couple weeks are not typical game weeks yet. But there's still some things in college football news and uh, recent memory that we need to discuss. And the first one is some of these coaching changes that we're starting to see, some within our team and some within the Big Ten. Uh, Chad, why don't you go ahead and take away and kind of lead us on this section? Well, I think the first thing uh, that I want to talk about is Kevin Wilson leaving for an offensive coordinator job at Tulsa. He's leaving for the head coach Sorry, job. he's leaving for the head coach job. Yeah, yeah. He's leaving an offensive coordinator job. Right. Uh, for a head coaching job at Tulsa. And at first, you know, I was kind of with everyone else and everyone else was like, well, obviously we should just promote Brian Hartline. OK, which don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Brian Hartline fan. He's been a godsend to this program. And I think he's Ohio State through and through. Do I know that he's ready for that? 
I don't. And it's not just that I don't know if he's ready for it. He is deserving of it. But if I'm Ryan Day right now, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to kind of right the ship. Okay, you know what the narrative is out there. Um, his play calling sucks. The offense have not, has not been as good as that it should be for the weapons that he has. And I feel like at this point, if you're Ryan Day, you have to be really careful about the decision you make here. Yeah, um, promoting Brian Hartline might be a good thing to do. It might look great to Buckeye Nation, and everybody might be in favor of it. But is, there, is it the right move for your career right now? Because one more fall on your face next year, and you're out of here, man. So I think you have to be really delicate in this situation on what you choose. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? So uh, first point is I'm going to correct you, but we, we both agree on something. Ryan Day is not a bad play caller. He just has been over the back half of this year. But traditionally speaking, <laughs> he's not a big, bad play caller, except for when he is. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, but I mean, d- here's the thing. Um, we, uh, we have easily learned what Ryan Day's go-to is, and it is wide receiver screen, wide receiver screen, um, three people deep wide receiver screen run on third down and not get the first down. Um, it's been pretty gruesome for a handful of games and against weaker competition, we can still make that work. Uh, he used to be a lot more creative earlier in the season. Who's he was more creative. And I think he's gotten away from that a little bit. I'm not sure why or what the reasoning behind it is, but I trust Ryan Day if he goes back to Ryan Day before the bye week. Ryan Day last year. And he does know how to call an offense if he just stops calling these stupid wide receiver screens and the stuff that is not trying to progress the ball down the field. So I'm not going to sit there and say that he's the worst play caller. Plus, I'm also not naive to sit here and think that when Kevin Wilson leaves, even though he's going to either promote someone within or go out and find someone else, that Ryan Day's still going to be the play caller, the the primary play caller. You know, I know we argued about this and we talked about him and say he needs to give up offensive calling duties. And that was a lot of that was heated, frustrated in the moment. The more I've had time for me personally to sit and think. I just think that he needs to take other people's information more into account instead of being stubborn. And I think that he needs to be more open and play to more of what our strengths are. And obviously our wide receivers are not good at blocking. So stop doing wide receiver screens. I think he so, needs to give up the play calling. I'm not. I, I stick firmly with that. I, I, I'm Nick starting Saban to get away play from calling. That. I mean, it just doesn't happen, dude. It's yeah. too much. It's it too is. Much to be Listen, the head coach I agree the with caller. you. It is. I just, I, I, dude, I think now is a point in your career when they said the defense sucks. You had to go out and get a defense, defensive coordinator and a guy that you could kind of give the keys to the, to the ship for. Now, whether or not that, you know, works out, that still remains to be seen. But the point is now they're telling you that your offense sucks. Your play calling sucks. And you, you and I have both agreed that being the head coach and the offensive coordinator slash play caller is a lot of responsibility for one person at once. And this, dude, I'm sorry. This is not Michigan State. This is not Purdue. This is Ohio State. If you do not beat the team up north and show some promise towards getting towards the playoff, that will get you fired here. I mean, you know it's what not I something th- to play with. You know what I think Ryan Day has done in the second half of the year? And it's taken me a little bit to realize this, but I really feel like I'm on point with this. Ryan Day went from last year to, 
beginning of this year to calling games to win the game and has changed his play calling to not lose the game. And I think that's very apparent with what's happening. He's become very conservative, very bland, very safe. And sure, we haven't turned the ball over, but we've also stalled a lot of drives. Uh, We've not been super explosive. Um, We've not been super disciplined because, you know, like anyone else knows, the typically the longer the drive you have, the more risk you have of having negative plays or turnovers or something bad happen or stalling out. Uh, He has coached to not lose over the back half, and it all culminated with that Michigan game where he – the first time I've ever fully understood after the fact that he coached that game scared. He coached afraid to lose that game, not to go out and win that game. So then what do you think he should do? He if needs Ryan to, Day right to win the game. He needs to do everything he's starting to say right now. He I'm needs talking about to as far as an offensive coordinator. I'm I, talking about what, it, you know, what do you think he so should do? So I understand why everyone says Brian Hartline because people are afraid of losing Brian Hartline because of how good of a recruiter he is. Um how much of a good coach he really is, I don't know. I'm not saying he's a bad coach at all. I guarantee he's probably a great coach. He has experience not only at Ohio State as a good receiver, but especially in the NFL. And he's been around studs at wide receiver. So I have to imagine he's a pretty good wide receiver coach. I don't know what kind of coordinator he would be because that's a big change, dude. That's a big change. That's a lot of responsibility. And like in 2015, when Urban Meyer hired Ed Warner as our OC, we can see what happens when you do when you have someone at OC that doesn't really know what they're doing. You can piss away a season just like that. So I think it's really important that Ryan Day doesn't just go with afraid of losing someone on his staff. I think he needs to look more towards winning. I think the whole program needs to get away from worrying about losing, worrying about upsetting the fan base, worrying about anything, and go out and fight and be aggressive with everything. So I think he needs to go out and get a big name. Either that, or if he's going to hire anyone within, it should be someone that is going to make this team better offensively. And the only one internally I can think about, I know this is a crazy thing, but I saw a poll somewhere else and it really got me thinking, is what about Coach Fry, the one they just brought in from UCLA as the line coach? You bump him up to OC and you can guarantee that our offensive line is going to be one of the best in the country because that's going to be the focus of his offense. It's going to go through the offensive line. And what are two of the best teams in the country right now? The top two teams for the offensive line. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but he's only the offensive line coach now and that's his only job. And we're not some of the best in the country. We're, we're, we're better than we were last year. Well, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> let's give them a bag of cookies. What can we say about it? at least they're not from Canada? <laughs> so listen, I, I do, I do. I will sit here and tell you this. I don't think there's anyone super qualified, super qualified on staff right now to move up into that role. In my opinion, um, there's a handful of coaches that I think are maybe somewhat deserving, but actually your best option is probably outside the program. See, but that I also agree, depends. But... but it depends upon how much Ryan Day is actually going to hand over the reins of the play calling duties and how much he's realistically going to hold on to. Is he yes. actually going to come out and hire an OC, a straight out OC, or is he going to hire a co OC? 
Because you know damn well if it's a co-OC, Ryan Day is still completely in charge of that of those play calling duties, and nothing is going to change his mind because he's hard headed. That's why he keeps trying to do the same plays over and over and over, and he's going to have to learn to adapt. So See, I don't think he's going to get somebody that. like that. You know, you can't get somebody like that. Uh, somebody worth having if you're not going to just promote within to have a guy to pretty much take the position to have somebody in the position. Um, you know, a, a guy that's worthwhile from outside the program is not going to take that job, you know, knowing that he's not going to have the responsibility that he's pretty much a pawn. You know, they're just a placeholder. You know what I mean? Like, guys aren't going to take that job, man. I don't know, man. You're right, though. It's changed so much over the last couple of years with Ryan Day that I'm not really sure, you know, what he's thinking. But I also think that he's a very prideful man. Um, so I just think that that's going to be hard for him to let go of. And I just hope that his inability to let that go to somebody else doesn't affect his tenure at Ohio State. I'm not sure what he's going to do, to be honest with you. Um, I know Kevin Wilson is at least going to stick around through the playoffs. Um, Somebody's got to hold that clipboard. Well, dude, listen. I I mean, I don't mean to bring it up again, but if you remember what happened in 2014, our offensive coordinator, Tom Herman, got a job head coaching for for Houston, and he stayed on board throughout the playoffs. And what happened? Our first-round matchup, we snuck into the four spot. We played number one seed SEC team. What happened? I mean, oh, I agree, but it, Tom, it's, Tom eerily, it's eerily similar. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. But it's just it, interesting to point out the similarities in both those scenarios. It is. It is similar in the fact that the same storyline is happening, but it's not similar in the fact that Tom Herman was actually an offensive coordinator. Well, so was Kevin Wilson. No, he extent. stands there with the clipboard. But Tom Herman actually was an offensive coordinator. That's why he was so highly taught. Well, that's, that's why he because got Urban Meyer, tests. Urban Meyer could not call plays. Urban Meyer didn't understand plays like OCs did. You know what he when Urban Meyer wanted a play called, you know what he did? He'd be like, "Hey, you know, uh, call up that play where we throw it to Devin Smith down the field." <laughs> and that's the way that he'd be like, "Yeah, call that play in." And that's the way he would call it because he didn't understand that stuff. He was just Urban Meyer was a master motivator. He was intense. He was fiery. Um, he was up everyone's ass. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's just different. Ryan Day understands his X's and O's. X's and, did I say X's and O's? X's and O's. I mean, Jesus Christ. 2015, they were in the playoffs. What's the time of night we're recording this episode? Dear Lord. All right. So, yeah, he knows his X's and O's probably better than anyone. And my knock on him that me and you have talked about is that I feel like Ryan Day is more suited and favors more of an NFL-style offensive coordinating game. That's why he likes quarterbacks that are more pocket passers. That's why the system he runs looks the way it does. And it just doesn't really work super uh, effectively in college unless you can completely dominate the other team. If you are similar or even outmanned, you have to outscheme the other team, and you can't just line up and try to make everything a one-on-one win your matchup and hope to God that your offensive line is is a brick wall. Like it just it, it, it's unrealistic. I mean, even in the NFL nowadays, like the one stat I cannot get over is that how can you be in college football and be a two-year starter? And in two full seasons, not have a single rushing touchdown. It's tough because of the way 
Well, you and I have had this conversation before, and college football is a different game than the pros. And even in the pros, there's a lot of this, you know, college bleeding into it where a lot of the, you know, the scramblers are more prolific now than the pocket passer. But I just feel like especially um, at Ohio State and for the type of offense we run and in college in general, dude, scrambling and running for touchdowns is absolutely necessary. Yeah, I mean, there's a smart way to go about doing it. I'm not going to sit here and say that you're not going to get banged up doing it at all. Um, And that's a risk you do run, which is one of the main reasons why I I can understand he doesn't want someone running as much. But, dude, you have no idea how much that is a get-out-of-jail-free card. When you have nothing downfield and you can tuck and run that thing for a first down almost every single time or at least keep, you know, keep you on schedule – because, you know, in the old style day, that's why points were not scored at the clip they're scored nowadays. Because it's a drop back pass. If it's not there, it's a throwaway or a sack or something like that if the, if no one's open. Nowadays, there could be nothing there and it could still lead to a touchdown. It could still lead to a first down. It could lead to a big play. And that keeps drives alive. And I'll tell you what, that's one thing Stroud just doesn't do. So the fact that our offense is even as successful as it is without the fact that he's even using his legs is telling you that we have a good offense, but we could be an elite elite offense. If he could use his dang leg, dude, we watched, uh, well, you and I were commenting on it, you know, in the Utah game. And I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast can relate because I'm sure you watch the game. If you're a Buckeye fan, um, Cameron rising, dude, he was all over the place. He was doing, he, and what I tell you, I go, that kid has heart. That's the difference between him. Is he as talented as CJ Stroud? Probably not. But he was making passes. He was running. I mean, he just about got his head completely torn off the one time. Helmet popped off and everything like that. But my point is he got it done, and I felt that. I felt that through him. I felt that. I even, after the game, I was so impressed with him. I actually watched a press conference just to see how he carried himself. And he's just like a... Down home country dude listening to Morgan Wallen, you know, long haired dude, like doing what he's got to do to win, man. But I like that. I like that about him. And I just wish that CJ could find a little bit of that fire. And I know it's too late in his career now. And, you know, he's just coming back to kind of finish this thing out a little bit. But I just wish he would have had that from the beginning because I think that CJ possesses the talent to be elite. Um, he's very good, but I think he could be elite. And and it just never reached that for me. You're not wrong. He 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 lacks that intangible, in my opinion. Uh, we're not we're not going to make this a whole big knock on CJ thing, but if you can think back over the last handful of quarterbacks we had, I mean, if the game was on the line, I trusted Braxton Miller. If the game was on the line, I trusted JT Barrett. If the game was on the line, I trusted Justin Fields. If the game was on the line, I trusted Dwayne Haskins, uh, Cardell Jones. I mean, they've proven it. But if the game's on the line and we're struggling, Stroud, I just, it feels different. And I, I'm not going to sit here necessarily say it's just the fact that he won't run the football, but he just seems so set in his ways. And I don't know if that's a direct reflection of Ryan Day or if that's just him personally or maybe a combination of both. But I went from really trusting this offense to more that, God, I really hope the game comes down to our defense more than our offense. I mean, the good news is if it comes down to the defense, that means we're up or tied. If it comes down to the offense, that means we're trailing. So I understand that. But 
I, I don't have full faith in it because it's like if a wide receiver cannot get open or at least have a little bit of a window, Stroud is in trouble and there's almost nothing left. And that just puts us at a massive disadvantage. I mean, even Stetson Bennett, who I don't think is the greatest passer in the world. He just happens to be on one of the best teams in the country. I mean, he's a dang Heisman finalist. And the reason why is because he's at least able to keep plays alive and he keeps that offense moving. Hey, he's a gamer. That's yes, what it he, takes. He's more of a gamer. That That's the best term I could give. Cam Rising, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker. I mean, the list goes on and on. All of these guys, it's not necessarily like they're just this big dual threat. I mean, you know, uh, they're not true, true dual threats. They use their legs, but they would rather throw the ball, I'm sure. But they use their legs to get out of jail free when there's nothing open. They use their legs sometimes effectively to, you know, extend drives, to score points, whatever. Stroud, I mean, dude, think about it. Two full years and not a single touchdown. That's like you'd almost have to accidentally. uh, The only way that even happens is if that's intentional, if that's completely intentional. It feels that way. It definitely does feel that way, um, that it's intentional because, I mean, I'm not going to bash on him. Like I said, I'm thankful that we had C.J. Stroud here at Ohio State. Um, I don't feel like his legacy is going to be what he thinks it is when he leaves here, though. Um, you know, he did have a lot of passing touchdowns. Like I said, he did some great things, man. Heisman finalist, all this kind of stuff. But to me, it's hard for me to give you my full, my full blessing, my full whatever. No, if you it. just don't have the heart, you just right. don't have the heart. And I just didn't feel like he had the heart. Um, I feel like CJ Stroud played college football to get to the pros. He didn't play college football to play college football and then maybe go to the pros. He feels um, like he is treating for me too. I, and listen, there may be more going on behind closed doors that we're not aware of. We're not the be all know all. We don't understand everything. Nope. I'm we just go going off, by what I see. We go off what we see, what we feel. And he, I feel like to me, the best way to put it is CJ Stroud t- treats every game as if he's already a pro, like a business transaction. Like that was a game we lost. We obviously didn't make the plays we needed to. I'm going to go back to the film room. I'm going to try to get better. Boom. Like every other NFL postgame conference that you've ever heard. You know, he's just not fiery enough for me. He's not emotional enough for me, dude. I want to see it more. I want to see you feel it more. And I think it's not only important for you as a player and for the fans, but dude, the team feeds off that stuff. If they see you putting your tail on the line and doing everything you can, that that team is going to take that energy and run with it. And I think that's why the offense looks flat a lot of the time, because they just I, don't see that. You know what? That didn't really occur to me until you just said it. But on this podcast, 20 different times this season, we've talked about, you know, how we just don't we just didn't felt feel like we were motivated and how we kind of look flat or, you know what I mean, uninspired. Um, and we kind of blame that on Ryan Day. But, you know, also, you know, if your peers aren't, that way, you know, it, it may cause you to feel the same way. And mm-hmm. I'm not blaming it all on CJ Stroud. I'm not saying that he's, you know, he's the turd in the punch bowl, but I am saying that he may be floating towards the top. Um, it's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they said it best to remember the Titans, man. Attitude reflects leadership, right? And, and maybe that's, maybe that's part of the problem. You know, I don't know. And I'm not even saying that there is a systemic problem in the locker room at Ohio State. I'm just saying there has been many games where we didn't look as fired up as we should. Uh, right. I'll be at the Michigan game for sure. Right. Um, yeah. But 
you know what? I wish CJ all the best. Uh, you know, I hope he does what you know what he can in the pros. But for me, like I said, he's just he's not going to go down. I mean, I don't know about you, and you know, there's going to be people out in Buckeye land that he's not. He's not going to go, dude. I'll be honest, he's not going to go down in the top three. Dude, for me, I don't know that he's going to go down in my top five. Probably I don't not. care what records he broke. I mean, and the craziest thing is he, besides Archie Griffith actually winning it two times, he's been the only Ohio State player to be invited two times to the Heisman tro- to to the Heisman ceremony. Because we haven't even talked about the Heisman ceremony that yeah. we should probably spend at least a couple minutes on, and then we'll kind of wrap up real quick at the transfer portal. But the Heisman this year is a joke, dude. Absolute joke. For those of you who are not aware, you have four people that are invited. The way that typically works, they, they decide who's invited by typically your four or five highest vote getters. Like the voting's already done. Okay. That vote was due, I think, Monday of this of this past week. What was that yesterday? Yeah. So yeah. I believe the votes were due as of yesterday. And they have the opportunity to vote early, which means a handful of people voted before the conference championship games even happened. And that means a lot of people did not get a chance to see USC get blown out, even though Caleb Williams did not have a bad game. Uh, I thought he played well. He played gritty. Um, His stats later in the game didn't really show how good he probably played that game. But uh, your four invitees are C.J. Stroud, uh, Max Duggan from TCU, Caleb Williams, USC, and for some stupid reason, Stetson Bennett from Georgia. And those are your four people. And usually that's going to be the top four. Uh, I mean, they're not going to invite someone that's outside the top four or top five. So your obvious snubs are, and I mean, I hate to say it, but Blake Corum is a snub for what he's done this season. Hendon Hooker is probably the biggest snub. I mean, dude was SEC player of the year. Dude had better passing rating almost every statistic better than every other quarterback that is going. The only difference is that uh, he got blown out uh, by South Carolina towards ACL and didn't play for the last game and a half of the year. But that is not any reason nor fair to keep him at least out of going to New York. He may not win. That's fine. But keeping him out of going to New York and sending Stetson Bennett in his place is bullshit. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. And I'll say it again. Stetson Bennett does not have the stats, is not anywhere near the player Hendon Hooker is. He just plays on the best team, which is why this whole Heisman nonsense over the last handful of years is a horrible popularity contest. Best player, not even sometimes not even the best player, most popular player on the best team. And then you that's think he it. wins it? No. Stetson Bennett, hell no. I bet he no. finishes in fourth. You think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm he, not so he sure, he's, man. he's fourth I, out of that. He's fourth out of that, dude, in my opinion. I mean, you're going to have I'm, some I'm of your southern wrong. homers that are going to vote for that. Dude, your winner your winner's going to be Caleb Williams because a bunch of people turned in those votes before that Pac-12 championship game even happened. And even after I'm the game. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, yeah. tell me it would surprise you if he didn't finish last. You, I don't Who? think you can. That's, yeah. I think he's going to finish, not last, but I think of the four going, I, I predict him to finish in fourth. Well, fourth out of four would be last, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you're saying last overall. I mean, there's tons of no. people that are going to get votes. Like Blake Core might finish in sixth. Hannah Hooker might finish in fifth, even though they didn't get invited to New York. But I'm saying, understand my point. I'm saying this. 
tell me you'd be surprised if he didn't finish fourth. I'm I mean, telling I, you, I don't think he will finish fourth. I think he will, personally. He's I mean, the there's SEC. a chance there's a chance Georgia. There's a chance the number one team in the country. There's a chance he could be third and maybe Max Duggan fourth. Like I can understand you could maybe interchange three and four there. I understand how voters go. But your top two is going to be Stroud and Caleb Williams because really it was Stroud's to lose until the Michigan game, and he lost it. And then the only person that could really pick it up from him because the other one that was potential to beat him was going to be Hinton Hooker or Blake Corum, and they got hurt. Yeah. So the only other one was Caleb Williams coming on strong there at the end, and he stole it at the end. And that's so a shame, it's, dude. It's Caleb Williams one, it's C.J. Stroud two, and then you can juggle Max, uh, Max and Stetson at three and four, in my opinion. Because to me, the Heisman Trophy should be the best player in college, in college football that yes, year. College football. It doesn't matter what team you're on. doesn't matter anything other than, I mean. And it also shouldn't matter if you tore your Achilles. You know what right. I mean? With a game left to go in the season. That doesn't mean you weren't the best player in the country. Right. You know, I just, yeah, you're right. It, it has become a popularity contest. It's it, You know what it it's feels like to me? It's been that way for a while, man. In a way for a while. It is. It feels like the all-star game of baseball. Like, it's just a farce. You know what I mean? Like, they're just out there to do it to do it. And I hate um, the lobbying that people do for their players, too, dude. You just shut up and look at what's on the field. And the problem is we give far too many votes to random-ass people in news media and old coaches and whoever else. I don't even know half the people that even have a vote. But they give what, way too many damn votes to the Heisman. We should do and it like the election. It, it needs to be some way, but it, it's let the it, people decide. Here's the problem. <laughs> the Heisman really used to mean something. Okay. Yeah. And some of your all time greatest players, man, they won Heisman's and you don't forget it over the last 10 years. I couldn't tell you what half the Heisman's were. The only reason I might even have an idea is because it's been thrown down my throat in what freaking Dr. Pepper commercials or whatever the hell they are, you know, over the last handful of years where they do the Heisman house. It's the only reason why I know half of them are even in it. Yeah. You there? Yeah. Well, that was a hell of a pause. That's what I was asking. I, did, I didn't know how else to go off I was that. like, like it's just, got, Dude, the, he, the Heisman like, Trophy ceremony pisses me off. And I've also, I at least want to mention this, is Desmond Howard is a f***ing prick. You can yeah. bleep that out. And what he did last year, now listen, I'm not some easy, you know, butthurt, like my feelings are hurt kind of person. I just think what he did to CJ Stroud last year at the Heisman ceremony, cracking a joke to him about getting beat to Michigan as an analyst was a, was, was a bad look, okay? was a bad look. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't warranted based on how we played, but dude, that's not the time and the place nor the person that should be saying in, in that scenario. And Desmond Howard's going to be there again. And CJ Stroud's going to be there again. And I hope to God, even though I doubt it's going to happen, I hope to God CJ Stroud can win this award and shove it down his fucking throat. But it's not going to happen. No, it's not. So it's not going to happen, dude. Fuck Michigan. Hey, hey, finally. Not finally, finally dude. I've, I've come kept to throw one out, dude. I've there kept it, it deep down. I'm getting fired up just thinking about it. I hate that state, dude. If I ever have to travel in that state, I would pack gas and cans in the back of my car just to not <laughs> spend money in that damn state. <laughs> I would, I would risk life and limb in order to not have to stop at the UDF. <laughs> yeah, <in Arbor. laughs> I'm just, oh god, that place annoys me. Well, speaking but, of traveling, let's talk about the transfer portal. Yes, sir. Um, because I'm telling you, this mess. Hot 
this mess. Dude, I'm sorry. This is not a hot take. Everybody's heard me say it before. I feel this way, and if you don't like it, you can kiss both my cheeks. Um, the transfer portal, they need to take away this free move that you get. It is ruining college football. It shouldn't be like a free agent, man. It's like a free agent market. Oh, you don't have a quarterback this year? Don't worry. 15, on, 15 of them are going to be butthurt that they didn't get to play this year or that they didn't play enough or that they don't feel they could win where they're playing, and they're going to enter it for no reason at all, and you'll have a chance of getting them. Like, I just think it's hard on recruiting. It's hard on coaching. It's hard on everything, dude. I, I, I just don't. Now, if you have a legitimate reason to leave a school, if it was the wrong choice, okay, great, dude. Go ahead. But my God, man, this is ridiculous. That, like, there are as many people moving in the transfer portal than were in MLB free agency this week in the winter meetings. Like, it's about even. Like, it's ridiculous, dude. I, I can't, I do not like it. Yeah, there was over a thousand people, a uh, thousand football players in the transfer portal this weekend or this week. And, I agree that there has got to be some stricter rules or regulations that are going to limit what exactly is happening with the transfer portal because there's three main reasons why players are going to transfer portal now. It used to be one, right? Mainly one, maybe two. One, coaching change. Two, I didn't get to play. I was going to be stuck behind other players. I want to go play somewhere else. And then you sit out a year, and then you play. And that was always traditionally what was expected. And it wasn't argued a lot. I mean, sure, there's hardship waivers you could have filed to get immediate eligibility. And the NCAA treated that like a joke, too. Most of the times, they would get an expensive lawyer, and they would throw out some BS reasons, and most of the time, get it approved. Sometimes, it wouldn't. Nowadays... There's three main reasons why it happens. Sure, I'll still throw coaching in there at number four. Coaching changes at number four. But the number one reason is still always going to be, hey, I'm sitting behind someone else. I'm not getting a chance to play. Hey, there's no penalty for sitting out. I'm going to go play somewhere else. The problem is that is the biggest reason why the majority of these players that are entering the transfer portal are going to get stuck in the portal and not find a home. And what they've done is they just screwed themselves out of a scholarship and they're going to have to pay for their own college moving forward. Yeah. That's the unfortunate ending with this transfer portal. The second reason why players are entering the transfer portal in part that I do appreciate is <clears throat> players that are at lower colleges that had amazing years that could very easily enter the transfer portal and get picked up by a D1 school and even a big-time program and have the opportunity to really showcase themselves in a quality program. And I have no problem with that. I think if you have played that well and you've gotten enough recognition at a lower-end school that you deserve that. Like, I still can't forget the – or what was the quarterback's name for Toledo? Finn? Like, that yeah. dude needs a D1 position this year. He should be in the transfer portal immediately. And he will get picked up by a D1 school. Uh, he is talented enough that I think he deserves the opportunity. So that's one part that I do agree with. The other part that I don't agree with, but I understand why they do it, is for NIL. Straight, strict free agency to check and see what your value is. To see if you really want to make some money now, what's your value? You could easily be a starter in a quality program. It could be at Ohio State, it could be Alabama, it could be Georgia, it could be Clemson, doesn't matter. You could be a starter, be one of the best starters on your team, and there could be a big-time recruit behind you, because this is actually happening in Alabama as we speak. 
uh, a big time recruit behind you that is getting a crap ton of NIL money because they needed to throw him that money to get him to commit. And he's making more money than what the starter's making. And the starter is an All-American. So that starter's probably sitting there thinking, well, hell, you know what? If I go in the transfer portal, basically I could shop myself around and I guarantee that these other schools are going to be throwing NIL money at me, NIL money at me like crazy, getting me to play for them. And if it's more important to a kid than staying where he's at to make a little bit more money while in college, then he's going to do that. And there's several players, starters, players that are good players on good teams that are entering transfer portal to shop around. Yeah. And I hate that. I absolutely hate that because they're not bound by any sort of contract. So this isn't even free agency because you can do that whenever the hell you want. As a matter of fact, you can do it multiple times. Look at JT Daniels that yeah. uh, I don't even remember where he came from, but he made, uh, eventually made it to Georgia. Then he made it to West Virginia. And now he's back in the transfer portal. I just believe there should be a penalty. There okay, has fine. to be, dude. If you, you, if you have to make, make a, a move, if you want to make a move, to a different school for money, then go ahead. Because you know that's what's happening. It, it really is free agency right now. Because what's happening is, say you're playing for Houston and some school at, or Texas, say Texas, calls and says, hey, man, we want you. We're going to give you a million-dollar deal for NIL up here or whatever. Um, all you got to do is enter the transfer portal. We'll pick you up. We'll give you the money. I mean, that's pretty much what's going on. It's a lot of what's going on. I've been reading all kind of stuff, and you never know what you know what's a hundred percent true. But I'm saying, kids are being lured away from the schools because there is no penalty. People know they can pay them now and bring them to the school with no penalty, and they can be playing next season. I mean, it, it'd be a little bit different. I think people would be more hesitant to do it if it was like you know, like it was, where okay, fine, you can leave school, but you you got to sit out a year, right? You know, then There's is the money really worth it? There has to be some sort of deterrent because it is ruining the college game in regards to being developed. And what it's going to do is it's going to water down your mid to low end players. And it's going to make where you have nothing but superstars and uh, kind of like there's going to be a big gap because I don't care what anyone says, man. Uh, your time between the end of high school and before you potentially go to the NFL is some of the most influential and pro, you know progression that you're going to make as a football player in their lives. I mean, you are becoming from a, a a young adult to a man. And what you go through in those programs teaches you discipline, teaches you structure, teaches you a lot of life lessons. I mean, it's such an important phase of college. Are of, of of a football player's life. There's a reason why you're not allowed to go to the NFL uh, until you are what three years removed from high school. That's why, as a true freshman, as a true sophomore, you cannot go after those years. You have to be in the pro, be in college for three years before you're allowed to go. It's because NFL is a man's game, and you need that time to develop, to mature, not physically, mentally. Um, as a teammate, as a leader, everything, right? So in order for that to happen, these kids need to be staying more in one spot. When you're bouncing around and you're constantly just trying to find playing time and worrying about getting things on the, you know, time on the field, whether it's selfishly or whatever the reason may be, you're ruining your chances the more you continue to transfer because you are not going to get 
continuity in any of this teaching, any of this uh, development, and it's going to water down the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree, man. I just, to me, the NIL thing was unstoppable. I know that. We, we were never going to stop that. Um, and most people didn't think it needed to be stopped. Most people were pushing it forward. And I get their side of it. it it's not been my side of it, but I get their side of it. But you, you can't have both. You can't have the transfer portal like it is, which is basically just like an open freaking forum, and money floating around. Those two things equal bad results. I'm sorry, you just can't. It can be one or the other. Either pay the players and keep the transfer portal shut unless there's a good reason for it, or open the transfer portal and take away the money. I don't see a way around that, dude. I, I just don't because, like you said, it hasn't had a chance to affect programs like Ohio State, um, like Alabama. Because you know what? A guy transfers out of Ohio State, Alabama, you know, one of these big-time schools, it doesn't hurt that bad. Okay, but when you're starting quarterback, you know, like we were talking about earlier, just as an example, you know, Utah. Say say Cameron Rising enters the transfer portal tomorrow um, and decides he wants to go play for, you know, a, a big-time school. That is going to kill that program, man. It's not like Utah is pulling in four and five-star guys all over the map. And when they finally get a star that rises to the top a little bit, you know what I mean? Then he trans bolts for another school. I mean, how does that bode well for your for your program? I mean, it doesn't. And that's where I think it's really going to matter more than anything. Like you said, is the middle-tier teams. It's not going to affect Alabama. They probably got, you know, 10 receivers in waiting and they could all play in the NFL. So if one of them leaves, oh, well, one of them leaves. But, you know, a team like Utah, you know, a team like Boise State or someone like that, a middle-tier team, dude, this kind of stuff wrecks them, man. And that's where I think that college football has got to step in. Somebody's got to step in and put a regulation on this, man, or it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to go wild, and it's going to keep getting wilder. Yeah, and if you even think about it, like think about some of the best recruiting classes over the last few years that have happened. And that's not going to end up mattering much anymore. Because Texas A&M had, what, the top recruiting class last year, and they just had 17 of, uh, I think, that freshman class. Uh, not 17, but a handful of that class go into the transfer portal. You had Alabama put 15 in the transfer portal. And due to any other team that would be crushing blow, they're going to be okay because they'll get some other players in return. But those are all solid players that Ohio State – and Alabama and Georgia and Notre Dame and Clemson and your Blue Bloods are used to reloading with, right? Yeah. And once their starters leave, they're not going to have those players to just kick right in and pick up without a beat anymore, which I think is ultimately going to bring some parity to college football. That's why I think you're starting to see, hey, Clemson didn't make it. Alabama didn't make it this year. Uh, you're starting to see a wave that Michigan's been in for a couple of years. Ohio State's still picking their spots and getting in. Georgia for, is probably going to be the next dynasty, to be perfectly honest with you. But, you know, outside of that, like, you're going to start seeing a lot more differences year in and year out. Because when you lose those key players and you're just so used to, hey, next man up, and then you pick right up where you left off, hey, those guys are at other schools now. Yeah. So my 2020 class rank of number two doesn't mean shit anymore because half of those recruits that we recruited are already playing for other schools. So now I'm going to have to rely upon either older players that probably would have been backups 
they're going to have to be the starters, or I'm going to have to rely upon true freshmen coming in that are not developed enough yet. Yeah. And there's going to be more growing pains in these big-time programs when you bring in that. So that's why it's so much more important to not just bring in high recruits, but to bring in the right people that you know are going to trust in the system, really trust the coaches, build a relationship with the coaches that are good enough recruits that are talented but want to stay and be coached. See, and that's, that's where that's where the recruiting has to go to now. And I think it's going to hurt little schools, littler schools like this. Okay, say I'm a kid that wants to play for Alabama, right? That's my dream to pay for Alabama, and I'm a running back. But Alabama's already got three five-star running backs, you know, in the pipeline up there. Normally, during my recruitment, I'm going to say, man, I'm not going to Alabama because I'm never going to see the field. But today I might say, you know what? I'm going to Alabama, and if, if it doesn't work out, I'll just transfer. I'm going to give it a shot, and if it doesn't work out, I'll just transfer. And you know what? That's probably the mindset of some of these kids, like – Okay, you know, maybe maybe Clemson's not the best fit for you, but it's Clemson. So you're going to go there and give it a shot and if it doesn't work, you don't you're not worried cuz you can transfer somewhere else. You know what I mean? And that and that's the that's the part that kills me cuz I feel like it's going to take away some of the recruits that the smaller schools, not even smaller schools, but just middle to middle high tier schools are going to get because these kids are going to go for positions they probably won't get just because of the school they're at because there's no consequences for it. It's not like if you choose Alabama, you never see the field. You just never see the field. I mean, you choose Alabama, you don't see the field. Then you could be playing for freaking, you know, Texas A&M next week. You know what I mean? Like it just, that's where I think it it, it falls short, dude. And I, they made a mistake rolling all this stuff out with no regulation at all. It's the wild, wild west, man. And and it's going to continue that way. I'm telling you until somebody steps in. So, I mean, get, get ready, dude. Yeah. It doesn't help the. Just in general, this whole generation is instant gratification, man. Hundred percent. You know, when we grew up, it was you had to you had to work for it hard. You had to earn it, and there was a sense of accomplishment and appreciation when you earn things. And kids nowadays, I'm not saying all of them. Uh, some some have pretty good upbringings, some tough upbringings that you know kind of instill those same qualities. But realistically, the majority of this generation is me, 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 my, 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 now, now, now. Like, I, I need instant gratification. I need it right away. And that's only further feeding into this whole frenzy. So at some point, this is going to get regulated because it's going to continue to get out of control. And it's hurting tons of programs. It's hurting kids that are ultimately going to be losing scholarships, thinking grass is greener on the other side when really it isn't. And they should have just stayed put where they were at and waited their time. I mean. There is some beauty in waiting your turn and developing and waiting till you're ready. But every kid thinks they immediately come out of high school and thinks they're ready. Hey, newsflash, the majority of you, 98, 95, 98, 99% of you coming straight out of high school are not ready to perform as a true freshman. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're it's, not. It's, it's the Aaron Rodgers syndrome. That's what I say. He sat at the bench and held the clipboard and learned from one of the greatest in football. And I'm not to say that it would have been any different, but my point is, dude, he gained that experience and then walked out on the field and look what he became. Patrick you know Mahomes I mean? did the same thing. He sat yeah. behind Alex Smith for several years before he even got his start. I mean, you know, you can't just throw someone right in there and expect it. I mean, there's some cases it does work, but realistically, you know, there's always big transition from high school to college, big transition. But if from you know college to the NFL, it, big transition. But you, if you notice, those days are gone. They Justin are. Fields is starting in the NFL. Like they, they didn't sit behind anybody. 
But he also took him to his third year to be, it took him to his third year to finally show some positive, positive play. Exactly. But my point is, dude, they don't care anymore. They throw you out there. They draft you in the first round and they put you on the field. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what it's become now. I mean, there's some, like I said, but, but generally, if you're a first round pick, you're going to a team that doesn't have a quarterback. So they're putting you on the field. You're not sitting behind anybody anymore. And that's yeah. what's so wild about it, dude. The, the narrative has changed so much. Anyway, dude, we've been rambling for forever. Um, probably to wrap this thing up. I can't believe we talked longer on a week where we don't have a game. Well, to be fair, we, we had a lot of topics we wanted to talk about. No, you I know how like we get. Fair. I mean, we, we argued a hell of a lot more over that CFP than I planned on it because we didn't plan on spending that much time since we're we're going to be spending the next several weeks focusing on it more. But we've spent a lot of time arguing over the CFP. And that's what we do best. We argue. That's, I mean, my wife argues, but I don't win those. So I come here to get gratification, but you don't give it to me. So, and it still doesn't work out. I mean, hell, you no. lost the prop bets. You've lost everything. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know where you go to from here. I don't know, dude. I'm, I, I might go to work and just quit. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should. It'd be the better. It'd be better for all your employers. All right, man. Well, hey. Wrap this thing up. Tell them where they can find us. All right, guys. So as always, uh, all of our episodes, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, our heart radio, Amazon music, uh, any main streaming services. Um, we are definitely picking up a lot of pace on our Facebook page. So if you haven't given it a chance uh, search dotting the eye with Davidson chat on Facebook, um, we post a lot of our stuff on there. We have a, a fan page and basically a group page. Um, but that's where we do a lot of our interaction. We share a lot of information. We'll do our polls, this, that, and the other. We're also on Twitter. I share some stuff on there occasionally as well, sometimes during the game. So if you feel like you'd like to reach out, whatever, uh, the more the merrier. Um, we would like to start doing some uh, questions, actually answering questions and giving our opinions on them. So we may start posting. I mean, it's a little late this year, but, you know, looking forward, we'd like to do start, you know, answering some uh, listener questions, things like that. But – to be perfectly honest, guys, dude, our numbers have gone way up. I mean, Chad, what are we at? Like 6,500 downloads now? Yeah, and rising. Uh, and you guys rising. Are killing it. So uh, we cannot thank you guys enough for everyone that listens to us, that has reached out, that has supported us. You know, we're, we're just two best friends that we literally did this for years, just on the phone, and our wives would just be like, where the hell are they at? Like, we're down in the, you know, in the game room just talking football for hours. Like, it's just what we do. And we decided three years ago to put this into a podcast and to think even, you know, three years away and 54 episodes later, here we are at over 6,500 downloads. Dude, that's nuts. So we greatly appreciate everyone that has taken the time to listen to us, that continues to listen to us. We hope you enjoy what we put out. Uh, we're always looking for ways to get better. We are we are going to get better. We're going to grow. We're going to incorporate more new things. So uh, just thanks for everything, guys. Um, other than that, um, I know next week, uh, you know, we have some more on the docket that we will talk about. Uh, game time's coming up in a few weeks, but let's just get ready for bowl season and, and uh, ready for the holiday season and you know, a chance to kind of unwind and wrap the season up. So until then, guys, as always, go Bucks. Oh, H.